Welcome to the Tim's Take. I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And I think we're going to drop our tagline at the top. Why? When the baby sleeps podcast? That is true. I mean, it is true. We almost tried to do it with you holding him earlier. Major fail. Poop explosion. The whole <laughs> nine yards. It didn't work. But I don't know. I mean, I liked it maybe the first time. It doesn't roll off my tongue in the same way. Fine. We have many more weeks to go. So now's the time to scrap it. Okay. Let's scrap it. Rachel, how are you? Well, it's week four. Yep. I'm doing pretty good right now in this moment. You're awake now that you're on mic? Yep. Looking to take a nap after, so we got to power through. <laughs> we got to power through. Okay, well, shall we just dive in? Sure. Lows? We always begin with lows. Lows. Okay, you're up. Oh, I'm up. Okay. Uh, this was a big week. This week, Matt went back to work, mm-hmm. which looks a little different during the COVID season that we are all in. So he is back at work full time, meaning he kind of needs to be on, but he's only in the office part of the time. So there's a little bit of flexibility there. Yeah. Right. But even when he's home, he needs to get stuff done. And so really trying to respect those boundaries that if he's on the clock, he's working, which you've done a great job at, by the way, I've been really appreciative. (laughs) It's, I mean, it's gone better than I think in my mind it could have gone. It definitely helps that it's been a slower transition or, you know, you just weren't back in the office at 9 a.m. on Monday morning and gone till 5 p.m. Right. And your parents were here for the first couple of days. My parents were here. So, I mean, to be fair, I haven't had a whole week of this, <laughs> but, but I still think in the grand scheme of things, it was my low for this week because... I missed having you here. It was, it's been a great three weeks to spend getting to know Oliver together and doing it together. And it's made a huge, huge difference. I really am struck by how crucial and critical paternity leave is. And yeah. man, if I was a lobbying political type person, <laughs> this would be one of the things I would put at the top of my agenda. Yeah. I don't know how we would have done it. You'd make things work, but I just am really grateful. I'll say it like that. And so to have you gone this week, it was a low to just try to figure out a new normal. And Oliver and I survived and managed, but it just was harder. It was a shift from getting things done and having a baby to just having a baby because once he needed me and was crying i was stuck and you're it there was, <laughs> was no handoff happening i was it there was no handoff hey can you wash the bottles can you grab this if i had him, i wasn't going anywhere whatever i had near me those were my tools and so that was a bit of an adjustment than the previous three weeks and i mean the truth is i'm still recovering so there are limitations feeling a little bit just still sore so emailed my doctor this week and the nurse emailed me back and was like just so you know you're still in recovery so <laughs> like she was all basically like lie down girl yeah so all of this is normal but also you need to relax yeah you're probably sore because you're feeling better which is great but that means you're doing more your son is uptight you are uptight <laughs> everyone in this family relax So it's just hard. I can't bounce him on the ball how he wants. And there's only so much I can do standing around with him. So I don't feel I'm operating at my full capacity, but he needs me at my full capacity. Bouncing on the yoga ball is undefeated for soothing him. The yoga ball itself is not undefeated, obviously, as we we talked about last last week. 
So yeah, that was just my low. And even navigating you here, I want to take care of him without having to have you come out because he's crying. And yeah, I just want to manage those boundaries well. Yeah, it's so tricky because I hear him crying and you want to come out and help. I also know I'm supposed to be working. I also don't want you to feel that I'm judging you or saying you're incompetent by me coming out. And so it's this real dance of sometimes it feels I should basically ignore it if I'm home working and he's crying. Other times I don't want you to feel abandoned. So I mean, there's just a lot to work out. Yeah. And that's just a layer that wouldn't be there if I wasn't working from home, which I usually in a non-COVID situation am not. But The blessing and the curse. Yeah, the blessing and the curse. That's yeah, I had that kind of as a low as well. And trying to think what about it is a low. I think largely it's just knowing I can't help you. (laughs) Obviously, I missed him. But at this point, he's not having or doesn't feel like he's having radical development every day that you come home and you tell me, oh, my goodness, you missed this, especially since I'm only gone for a few hours. So I don't feel like I missed him necessarily because I still saw him uh, a lot. But I was sad to not be able to help you. Yeah. But my other low, actually, was just what I call p- the realities of pandemic parenting. So it ties in nicely. <laughs> it does. <laughs> what you're talking about. I think this week, just maybe with seeing some other people or whatever the case might be. And by seeing other people, we don't mean seeing in person, but either seeing them through glass or getting texts. When you just wish that they could hold him and really meet him in those ways and we just had to say not yet we're not willing to take that risk yet and (sighs) man that is bizarre he is almost a month old a month old and outside of medical professionals there are six people who have held him which is crazy which in a normal season that would be inconceivable i think with the community that we're really grateful to have around us but yeah and i mean He's not going to remember this. I don't fear that it's necessarily affecting his development at this stage. But I think it's a thing to grieve for us as parents. Yeah. So much of your joy comes from other people experiencing him and having joy as well. Mm -hmm. And that just looks a lot different right now. Yeah. It's sad. So this week I felt that a little bit more. Yeah. I think now, especially as we've gone through the weeks, you know, early on you're trying to survive. I feel like we're moving at times, out of survival mode. Yes, at times. At times. Sometimes we are still there. But as you do, you begin to kind of be aware of these things in a different way. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my low. (laughs) Shall we leave the lows behind? Let's talk about some highs. Let's talk about some highs. You first. Okay, my high, which there is a caveat that I know there is potential that this will change, but we are talking week by week. So this is my high for this week. My high for this week is that Oliver slept really well at night. He's just kind of blown me away. He's been amazing. So not to say that he has slept straight through the night at any point. No. <laughs> and much to my disappointment, our pediatrician so far has not given us the clearance to not wake him up to feed in the middle of the night, though we will be following up with her tomorrow to see if that Tomorrow? Can we change. should follow up with her today. today. She works today. <laughs> yes, that's Let's true. not wait till tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so a lot of websites and people will tell you once babies are back to their birth weight, you can stop waking them up in the middle of the night. So we are kind of... Again, the Tim Steak does not provide medical opinions <laughs> or medical advice. We are not doctors. We don't play them on podcasts. Just summarizing 
other people's opinions. So we were kind of holding on to that as great. When he's back to his birth weight, we can do that. And last time we were at the pediatrician, he was back to his birth weight, and we asked about it, and she said, eh, I would wait another couple weeks. This high is quickly becoming a low. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, that's just to say he's not sleeping eight hours straight through the night. No. But this week especially, he's kind of always slept decent in, you know, two to four hour chunks probably mm-hmm. in the middle of the night, which is still pretty good. And then often we have to wake him up to feed yeah. him. So kind of looking forward to potentially more sleep down the road. But this week we had to do a lot less to even soothe him to get him to go to sleep. So that's really true. Less yoga ball, less rocking, less whatever. Part of that was we have introduced the magical pacifier to our repertoire of tools. Obviously Um, game changer. Yeah. It's in the name. (laughs) It's in the name. We tried to hold out because, you know, there's lots of opinions about when to introduce a pacifier. And we tried to hold out as long as we could. And then we used one and we never looked back. We didn't really try to hold out as long as we could (laughs) because we were aware of all the different opinions. I think a couple lactation consultants said, oh, really try to hold off till about three to four weeks. And we hit two and then we tried it and it was... As Amazing. If, <laughs> as if a fairy had cast a spell on our son. And we realized, why were we not availing ourselves of this magical device? Why would we send the fairy away? Why would we not just risk sort of our entire future on this magical moment? So so we stuck to it. And it really makes a difference in putting him to, back to sleep in the middle of the night. And basically, at this point, again, this week, he soothed himself. And it was great. So I feel like we got... You know, a decent amount of sleep in multiple chunks, which, you know, is a strange new bar. Yeah, right. But it's something. It's something. We're grateful for it. That's a great high. It was consistent throughout this week, too. Yeah. Which was really nice. Okay. That's my high. That's great. Sleep. My high is the many faces of Oliver. Oh, gosh. They're the best. (laughs) He makes so many faces. The best is... This is a weird thing to say, but at about 1 a.m., if I wake him <laughs> up and he's in dead sleep and he's in this little swaddle where his arms are up, which is funny in itself, and then I unzip it, and then the array of faces that he goes through as he's stretching and kind of thrashing back and forth, it just kills me. But the faces are not necessarily the highest so much as the joy that Rachel and I get. I think those moments of just laughing at him yeah, we're laughing at him. He can't <laughs> laugh yet. So we have no choice but to laugh at him. But those moments of laughing at him have been really sweet. And I mean, he's making us laugh. Yeah. Which, which is, is very different than sort of week one where we were just terrified by any sound he made or worried about what faces he made. It's amazing how quickly you sort of adjust. Even now, I will laugh at him sometimes when he cries. He could be screaming on my lap and I will just be laughing telling him how ridiculous he is my parents were here this past week and at one point they look at Matt and say are you enjoying his crying too much (laughs) (laughs) but it's just your way to get through because he does it so often that you know you kind of can only let it get to you so many times without going crazy yeah sometimes it's just okay I'm just gonna roll my eyes and laugh at you and it doesn't help the situation it has never stopped him crying but it has helped me keep my sanity. Stopped us from crying. Yeah. So the laughter we've had, kind of a little kind of glimpse of the joy, more than a glimpse of the joy of parenthood, but it, that's been kind of a sweet thing. Agreed. 
All right, now it's time for our takes. Our Tim's take. This is the Tim's take. You go first. Okay, I go first. This is actually a bit of a throwback, but it's a very strong take that I have. And I did not realize the importance of form design before becoming a parent. And what I mean is when you become a parent, there are a lot of forms to fill out. There's just paperwork. And it's not digital. Most of it is, in fact, literally paperwork. And you have to fill these out. And when you are sleep deprived in those early days, filling out forms, it's easy to make mistakes. And I want to give you an example. In our first visit to the pediatrician's office, we have no, to give a come history. On. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to get around in front I can't of the bus. Be- I can't believe you didn't see this coming. The whole thing was setting up this story. Our first visit to the pediatrician's office, we have to share a family history. Fill out this whole form, of course. It's all about Oliver and some of our background. And there was a section... And this is actually in defense of you, really, is it? where you have to fill out the family history, which is already confusing enough because it says mom, dad, then mom's mom, dad's mom, mom's dad, dad's dad, like those kinds of things, which when you're a new parent, your brain is not really in the gear where you realize, oh, okay, mom's dad is your dad, yeah. Rachel, because you're now the mom. So we're already struggling to fill out that. It's very hard to do. Then there's a section directly below the family history section that was only slightly identified as being sort of a social contact kind of current situation where it asked about the people in the family. In your household. In your household, which Rachel then, having just filled out that, proceeds to start putting everyone (laughs) of our parents and it's also requiring things like email, birth date, and phone, phone number. number. I was like, why on earth do they need this for our parents? <laughs> this makes no sense. But nonetheless, Rachel... I persisted. She persisted. <laughs> nonetheless, she persisted and filled out that whole form. We go in. I think it was the physician's assistant is looking at the information, of course, that we filled out. And she just says, wow, you have a lot of people in, in your, your home right now. To which we had to say, oh... No, it's just three of us, actually. But all that to say, the importance of form design. Pediatrician's office, if you're listening, which I know you are, because obviously you would be, it's probably time to update that form and make those a little bit clearer separate sections. And really, anyone who's designing forms for new parents, please, whatever you can do to make it easier to understand. Be kinder to us. Be kinder to us. So that's my take. My piggyback take on that is our pediatrician is great. We've had, you know, good encounters with them. But the lack of empathy of pediatricians that we experienced for new parents themselves, I think they just get so used to dealing with parents as they get older and more accustomed to being a parent of a child. But in those early days, they just expect you to know how to do things still. And you're like, I've I've never done this before. So even yeah. day one, the day after we return from the hospital, they want us there. And then the next day, they want us back again. So I'm like, can barely get out of bed at this point. <laughs> and we get to the pediatrician's office and they're sprinting down the hallway. All right, going into this room. And I'm like, see you tomorrow because I won't make it until tomorrow because I wa- can't walk. <laughs> and there's just so many things that they just don't remember that you are three days old at this. Rachel, you have your own doctor, okay? They have their patient, which is our son. Clearly. Don't expect them to also be invested in your life. Just kidding. We really like our pediatrician, but it is true 
that sometimes the information, and we found this during pregnancy too. Oh my gosh, yes. We were so glad we live in the information age that we do where we can read and Google because otherwise you might have been eating fish with mercury in it <laughs> every day. That wouldn't have happened because you don't eat fish. But, but it could have. Did anyone tell us not to do that? Not until week 20 <laughs> when they handed us a paper flyer. <laughs> okay, that's a good piggyback take. Do you have a separate take as well? I do have a separate take. We kind of touched on this earlier, but my take is how quickly you learn to adjust to things, like your expectations shift dramatically. Expectations is the theme of the podcast. (laughs) So maybe not expectations, but just your thresholds for things Uh, just adjust way quicker and kind of without your knowing. As Matt alluded to earlier, his mom commented this week that you know, you guys handle his crying way differently than you did in week one. And it's just so true. In the beginning, anytime he cried, it was terrifying and overwhelming. And I cried and Matt cried. The whole family cried. And there are definitely still moments. Not, not every time he cried. Not every just time to be clear. he cried. It wasn't like on cue. All of her cries. Now the whole house is crying. But it felt like I cried a lot of the times he was crying. <laughs> and I mean, there are definitely still moments last night I cried when he was crying so I'm not to say that it stops completely but you do just learn to cope in different ways and you learn him one of my friends Carly Bridges this is a shout out to you sent me a poem this week that was all about babies and their relationship to their moms and kind of focused on why they cry and really they're just trying to communicate and express which I know in my head but reading the poem There's a line, it's from the baby's perspective, and it says, I watch you communicate all day with each other, and I can't do that yet, and so this is my form of communicating with you. And I think it just made me have a ton of empathy for Oliver. Like, yeah, he's crying, and sometimes he just wants to be near you, and sometimes he's scared, and sometimes he's lonely or in pain, and sometimes he just wants attention and wants you nearby. And so it was just a good reminder that, you know, not every cry is a meltdown. That's just really his way of communicating and it helped me be a little more generous with him this week so thanks carly i feel like that was about three takes you got about three takes in there <laughs> plus my piggyback take well no i was including the piggyback take so essentially you had the piggyback take about pediatricians not being as empathetic about your waddling ways there's the reality that you just adjust and then there's the thing about crying so we're just giving you tons of bonus content today yeah it's hard to uh single them out So wrap them all up in a bow. Last week, I did a 12-hour span for my low, I think. So this week, we're just doing a couple all in one. A couple piggybacks. The wheels are coming off. Pretty soon, it's just going to be just an hour of us just giving random takes about random things. No, it's great. It's great, Rachel. It's great. Well, the thing to move on to, of course. Mailbag. I love it. I think that's our permanent mailbag introduction that was unplanned unscripted but apparently i'm I'm gonna drop that into every episode now yeah it's time for mailbag last week we had andre who wrote in and this week we had not one not two but three people it was so amazing honestly that was one of my highs this week too it was so cool i'm not gonna share everything that they wrote to us because their story is their story and they didn't well kind of by writing in you give us permission to share what you send but We'll not do that. We heard from Nancy Roy Lance. Thanks, Nancy, for listening. 
And I just loved, she said a number of things that were very nice. Thank you, Nancy. Basically, it was a five-star review in an email. But she said this, oh man, is infancy ever hard? Like others, I have stories, dot, 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 which makes me think we need to have Nancy on this podcast and just interview (laughs) her. Then she says, as they say, when you are being pushed to your edge, it's such a great opportunity for growth. Which, oh boy. He pushes us sometimes. He pushes us, but it is very true, Nancy. I don't necessarily like growing, but I guess it is a good thing. So thanks, Nancy, for your email. We also heard from the aforementioned Carly, who shared with us, obviously, the last couple of weeks, I think we've talked quite a bit about our breastfeeding journey and where that's at, and it's in progress. Carly shared some of her story, which just an observation without sharing her story, but was really resonant, I think, with this battle of expectations that's so easy to have as parents. She says later in her uh, email, and I thought this is kind of the remarkable thing, right? Each baby is different and special in his or her own way. You have to find the right path for you and your baby. No one else can do that for you. To which I just say, that is maybe the most mind-blowing thing I've ever heard. I mean, I agree, it's true. But why can't I just have a website that lays out, here's the five steps to take with every baby and it will solve everything. But that's not the reality. Yeah, they are a person, not a project and totally unique in that way. Do you just come up with that or is that a thing? Person, not a project? That's, that's, you've heard that somewhere? Well, my favorite blog person, which I'm sure I'll talk about at some point, wrote about how she doesn't want babies, her current baby to be a project. And then uh, Lauren says that. Wow, that's great. I love that. We also will only ever refer to her as Rachel's blog lady. Sometimes it's blog lady crush. Blog crush lady. (laughs) I know her name. I've even messaged her before, but it's just easier to refer to her that way at this point. (laughs) It's very strange. Maybe one day we'll reveal who it is, but not for this episode. And then finally, we heard from Carissa, who is my boss and very much friend and colleague when I worked in the development office at Regent. And she also shared just some of her story. She said that she's really enjoyed listening to the podcast. It brings back so many memories, which is something we've heard from a few people. So that's really a joy. She says, if it makes you feel any better, everything you're experiencing is normal. It does make me feel better. It does make us feel better, Carissa. Thanks. She goes on. This is something that may be worth passing along. You know, we don't claim to give great advice, but this is Carissa's advice. With respect to breastfeeding, one of the best pieces of advice I was given was to not make a decision about it until after six weeks. So in other words, do what you got to do to get to six weeks, but don't feel like you have to lock in, which that's a good reminder, I think just in general, because everything feels so condensed right now. And it almost feels like we should be deciding whether we're going to send him to school in the fall or not, (laughs) right? (laughs) And he's far away from that. He's far away from that. But reality that you can give things time to make decisions is super wise whether it's about breastfeeding or anything yeah really you don't need to make decisions before you have to right Mm -hmm. so thanks to all three of you nancy carly and carissa for writing in anyone else who wants to write in will talk about it or not if you want to clarify that in your email but (laughs) it's brought us a lot of joy and support and encouragement through these weeks so keep writing in we are delighted and we cannot believe that you are listening so thank you that's it for week four. That is, that is it. And I mean, there's always more that we could say. Rachel probably has another three takes that she could share. Oh, don't I ever. <laughs> but for now, and looking forward to next week, I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And that's your tennis take. <laughs>